Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> Well, I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. (laughs) You could just look at her license. My special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. (laughs) It's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. <laughs> We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and you know we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there, and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights, or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families the best they can. And the number is is eight hundred seven seven zero seven zero zero eight. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you, as always, by Brad, Sean, Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had comedian Nate Abshire in studio. He's recording his first album at Acme this weekend. Next on The Best Of. Nate Abshire is in studio. He's at Acme tonight and tomorrow night, 8 and 10.30. I have not heard. I just brought, brought up Nick DiPaolo. I haven't talked to Nick in a while. What was it? Somebody, a woman punched him or something? Or a bunch of stuff he, happened mm-hmm. to him. There's been a lot of, a lot of stuff. Uh, the, the, one, the only thing that I've heard of, I don't know Nick, but I uh, Great guy. heard that on his latest album, one oh. of the pictures he used for the cover was a Black Lives Matter activist that had been murdered. And, like, mm-hmm. it got released, I guess, before he knew that. And so oh. they had to, like, retroactively change the album cover. Who did that? Those are real yikes. I don't I don't even oh. know. I just, like, I just, re- that's the last thing I remember. I was like, oh, that is, oh, why, man. Why would they do that? I don't, I don't really know. Understand. I think I'm, my guess is they just pulled a picture yeah. off the internet 
But why that? <laughs> right, like, exactly. Why that's, would you do that? I think that's why everyone was so upset. <laughs> I could see. I would probably be upset, uh, absolutely. Hey, what happened to JB? I don't know. Somebody murdered him. I was actually just listening to Patrice. Uh, oh, yeah. I had a long drive. I was listening to a bunch of Patrice material, and man... I wish we were getting more stuff out of him. Oh, he was unbelievable. And the nicest guy in the world, too. I never great, met him, but... Great guy. Uh, well, so you, had to be, you had to be nice to him because he's a lot bigger than everybody else. <laughs> he's a big fella, man. Did you ever work with him, Brandon? No. No, I don't think No, I you did. never did? No. Really nice, man. And really, really funny. Yeah. You know. Do you think, Nate, that younger comedians now are having a bitch of a time trying to figure out how not to ruin their lives by being in comedy? Because <laughs> nobody has a sense of humor anymore, for Christ's I, sake. I think that it's definitely more difficult, but I don't, yeah. I don't think that the difficulty is a bad thing. Okay. I, I genuinely think that, that it is, like, I think that you have to be a lot more careful with framing something that is genuinely funny. And I think that you'll have a much harder time getting away with, like, uh, kind of hack shock humor. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think that if you have something genuine to say, it's a little more difficult to get it there. But once you do, I think it's, it's even more powerful than it would have been if maybe those limitations weren't there. Do you, like, what is shock humor? I don't even know what shock humor would be now. I know what it used That's to be. That's actually a good point. But I mean, seriously, yeah. what would it even be now? <laughs> you know? We'll I mean, at this point, everything. you could really blow people's minds just by saying, like, you know what? I think Facebook should be able to do whatever they want. And everyone would be like, all right, get out. Get out. <laughs> Everybody would be pissed off. It would be unbelievable. Well, I don't think there's much shock humor. It, I think it's shock response. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, people who probably just... Like you said, just say anything and see if who's going to get up and walk out. The yeah, oh, I think also that like the thing that you have to remember as a stand-up is that we operate within tension. That's that's all stand-up is is we create tension right. and disperse it. Right. And so when you have a bunch of extra tension, you just have to figure out how to snap. <laughs> Very it. good point. That's it, a really it's good point. basically there's it's like there's free laughs just waiting for you to figure out the button to push to mm-hmm. to release them kind of mm-hmm. so extra tension isn't necessarily a bad thing but if it's not in your skill set to release it then everyone's just tense and that is not great <laughs> for yeah, a well, comedy exactly. show right but why would you go to a comedy show if you didn't want to laugh that's, that's a what great I question. Get. I don't get that. I all. want. I want. <clears throat> let's fund a committee. <laughs> I want to get to the bottom of this. One. I love it. Uh, yeah, I. I just don't understand that whole deal. Uh, you know, like I would go see, oh, you know, Bobby Slayton, mm-hmm. and every time some people would walk on him, it's mm-hmm. like, you know what he does. Right. You know he's going to try to piss you off. Bobby Sladen isn't sneaking under any no, radars. No, he's not, no, not at all. It, 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 but this one, I will never forget. He was out. I can't remember where he was even appearing, but he was in town. And we're going to go see him. We're going to have a little dinner. And, you know, because I've known Bobby for, Christ, 30 years. But you could tell that this guy had brought a woman on a date. Like maybe even their first date. Ooh, and he, <laughs> to Bobby Slayton. That Bobby is ballsy. Slayton. That's a really smart move. All of a sudden, right in the middle of the act, she goes berserk and he's like, Settle down. He just loses it. And he finally like corrals her and leads her out of the theater. It was something to watch, man. 
Yeah, it would. It's a lot of people seem to go to comedy clubs on dates, and uh, man, I would have to know someone real yeah. well. Yeah, I agree. Before I would do that, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. I, of course, there's a Catherine story out at the comedy store out in Los Angeles, and I was surrounded by the bouncers after she started talking. But other than that, well, you know about that. I did yeah, there was a guy. Day. There was a comedian up on stage opening for Jay Leno, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there, and this guy's just going on and on about what bitches white women are, and he wouldn't <laughs> stop talking about what bitches white women are. Finally, Catherine goes, "Fuck you!" Like that. I two seconds. I got like six bouncers surrounding me. I'm like, what the hell did I do? <laughs> Your issues with her, sir. But here's the great part of it. So they settle down and said, you can stay, but you, lady, you got to calm down, okay? So everything settles down. We're good again. This is at the comedy store in Los Angeles. And Jay Leno walks out on stage. And he looks around and he goes, where's the woman that was talking? Oh, you. Uh, you. Where are you from? And she goes, Minnesota, he goes, oh, a frozen bitch. <laughs> and I, I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Jay Leno blasted you. <laughs> That's no, great. Was, I don't know. She was very young. She was only about 21, 22. So I, I could, uh, you know, it's going to happen, I guess. At hey, that age, know. everyone's an asshole. Well, pretty much. <laughs> I wasn't sure. a car. I was a really great guy. <laughs> I can't even tell you what a prick I must have been when I was 20. Don't look at me like that, JB. No, I'm just trying to remember. I don't think. <laughs> well, no, I didn't meet you until I was about 34. Right. When I was 21, 20, oh, ugh, not good. Yeah, no one is. I mean, that's, that's true. Whenever people are talking about, you know, the kids these days, I'm always like, well, yeah, they're in their <laughs> 20s. They're dicks. Yeah, they are. And just too many hormones, man. You gotta get a little older, start calming down, and then it's like, all right, we can talk now. No, we can talk. It's interesting you say that because you're either like you're either a dick because you are a dick, or you're a dick because you're so pristine and awesome as a child. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah, true. so it's like you're, it's a double edged sword when you're twenty. Right, right. <laughs> you're either so good that everyone hates you, or you're so bad that everyone hates you. Right. And a lot of it, I think, is I'm you know when you see someone that's way younger than you, a lot of it's just jealousy. Where I'm like, you are gonna make, <laughs> yeah, that's you true. piece of shit, <laughs> you're gonna make the same mistakes I did, yeah. and there's nothing you can say, right? Because that's they, gonna save them, yeah, because they refuse to listen. That's the other part, right? And so did I. So did I think everyone does. I think it's just part of it where everyone's like, hey, here's all the mistakes you're gonna make, and you're like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever, old man. <laughs> and and then you're the and then you're the old man, and you're like, all right. Uh, all right, yeah, pretty much true. I mean, I literally in my group of guys, it literally was we would have fun, and we didn't go pick on people or any of that stuff. That's not, not what I'm saying. But if there's any discomfort or hubbub going on, it was basically just, yeah, leave me alone, or I'll kill you. I mean, that was basically <laughs> sure, what it was. Sure. You know, like okay, well. How about if I break both your arms, both of your legs, and throw you down the stairs? Would that be better for you? <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time, though. That was a, that was a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. I don't even get away with that anymore legally. No. It's an a very different chance. world. It is a very different world. You, you've been on the road a ton, sounds like. So where did you drive mm-hmm. in from? Uh, I came in from Kansas. and Oh, you uh, drove back? Yep. Yep, that's and then a, I had been on a... It's not a bad drive, though, actually. Yeah, I had been on a big run. I went out to D.C. and Boston, 
And then after this, I go to Wichita, Kansas for some more shows. Are you really happy that you weren't in Washington, D.C. after the Nationals won the World Series? Yes. That yes. town went berserk, A man. good old-fashioned oh, sports riot. Did they tear it up? Oh, there was a big sports riot. Absolutely. No doubt about it. My last sports riot was when the U of M kept winning, uh, in Minneapolis, kept winning hockey championships. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah there you go. That was a fun one. I was still in college. Yeah, the- the first one was real. The second one was like, let's see if we can do it better than the first one. Oh, the riot? I'm a better riot? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, sec- <laughs> the second one re- had this real vibe of like people just showed up after they won. Like, hey, are we, uh, we going to do that again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably of, true. Instead of people just being hammered and excited, it was more of like a, so are we going to? Tear down some stop signs. What do you guys think? <laughs> I do remember 1991, the Twins won their second World Series, and I didn't go to the game uh, because both World Series they won in the seventh game at home. And I still cannot believe that the home team didn't win one game in the World yeah, Series this year. That was that just is odd. crazy. That's unbelievable. Not one home game was won in that World Series. That's never happened before. <laughs> never ever happened before. Wow. But. I do remember, you know, my memory is very vivid about the Twins winning their second World Series against Atlanta. They win. I was at Mama G's bar out in uh, Maple Grove, and this guy came running up to me, a big listener to the show and all this, but came running up, and he was severely hammered, and he basically, I have to hold my hands up because otherwise, he goes, Tom! Tom! And the spit <laughs> was just spraying me right in the face. Tom! Tom! It's like, ah! I mean, he literally, my shirt was wet. He spit on me so much. But he was excited. What are you going to do? Go, you bastard. I go, yeah, isn't it great? (laughs) I got to go home and shower now, but you know. I had a guy after a show recently that came up to me and put his hand around me and wanted to get a picture, but he had a a lit cigarette. And he kept hitting my shirt with it with your uh, with the cold with the lit cigarette yeah and, and so one of the pictures it, it's great i got a copy of it is me like brushing ashes <laughs> off of my shirt and him just like looking at me that's fantastic just so, me looking down at my shirt like come on so man he didn't realize he had a lit cigarette or he didn't realize he was touching me with it like no. he just had no was bearing he boozed on up yeah, yeah. There you go. It was real, well, real lit. Where can you smoke? In yeah, that's true. No, it was outside. Oh, we were outside. Hey, JB, I got to ask you. They still say coals. I just thought of that. <laughs> I haven't said that in about forty years. The coal. Yeah, that's what they call it in the neighborhood. The little I've never lit heard that term. You've never had coal on a cigarette? Mm-mm. Man, don't get your coals all over my house. You never heard that? No. Nope. Maybe that was a local thing. Because well, no, no, it wasn't. Because I heard Eddie Murphy do it in a movie once. He talked about coal. St. Louis, it was ash. Yeah, yeah. Ash. ashes, I think, what yeah, I would... I think that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah but ash is not the glowy part. Mm-hmm. Well, no. It's what makes the ash. Yeah. I don't cool. know if we even... Man, I think we're really finding a hole in the matrix here. I know, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I have I a word for that. See, nobody it. has a word. You gotta <laughs> go with coal. No, no, no. It was, it was actually the African-American men in my neighborhood that called it a coal. Oh. Hey, man, I'll be getting you coal on my rug. It was one of those kind of deals. It was a deal. I was not a good smoker. We just decided that I really was never a smoker because I would French inhale it, but it would come out my mouth so it never went in my lungs. Oh, okay. So, so you're just giving it a sinus run through. Look how cool yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm a tough guy. 
Whatever works. So now you said you're going back to Wichita. Is there a club down that you love yeah. to play? Is that what it's all about? Oh, I'm. It's a different club in Kansas. I was at I right. Was no, no. But I mean, is, do you like? Do you are you? Do you like playing Kansas? Or are you? Is it um, your... it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, Did I get at that part out, Andy. <laughs> I get. I'll go anywhere. Yeah, no, I check caches, but I understand that. Um, the Wichita Club's fun. It's called. It's a loony bin. You know, I'm really excited because this week I'm recording my album. Ooh, excellent! And so after this week, it's like I'm a free man. So now, when's the album come out? Uh, I don't know yet. That's. It's probably going to be. A few it's really months. hard to book you on the show if you'd say things like. I don't know. <laughs> well, so let me know. No, I will. I will. It's uh, but we're recording this week. I'm uh, doing it with 800 pound gorilla, and then. But I'm really excited because once I get this recorded, then I'm not doing any of those jokes anymore. And oh, I'm, you're not? No, and I'm so excited to move I on. It's going to be great. So I'm I'm excited for going to go to Wichita just because it's like I have a new lease. Oh, that's true. So it'll be after after you're yeah. done with the. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So then I'm just like whatever. I can just talk and don't have to do any of these jokes anymore. I don't think most people. How long does it take to to write uh, an album full of material? I think the first one takes way longer than the rest. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. This one, like, <clears throat> I've been doing it for ten years, and this is my first album. So, but I think like after that, a lot of people fall, seem to fall into like a good rotation is like every two years, turn over an hour. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So you've been doing, you've been doing stand up 10 years. Mm-hmm. How old are you? 36. Yeah. I was going to say, you're not very old. So since you're 25, 26 years old, mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty good, man. Yeah. I, w- I mean, everyone wishes they started earlier, you know? Yeah. I suppose it's but, true. But, but yeah. Uh, I, I think I did it when I was finally at a maturity level to do something for more than three weeks. Twenty six, supposed to be fully fully formed brain at twenty six, right. man. Supposedly. Supposedly. <laughs> Best of the Tom Bernard podcast. That was Nate Abshire on the Best of. Coming up next, it was Halloween a couple days ago, in case you missed it. Vince Wilson was on to tell us some spooky facts about Edgar Allan Poe. Next on The Best Of. Is this Howlin' Wolf? Yes, it is. Love Howlin' Wolf. I put a spell on you. We listened to all the Halloween music last night while carving pumpkins. Oh, did you? We just yeah. watched Hocus Pocus last night. So there ah, you go. That's a good movie. By Focus? No. One of the great songs. There. Remember that Barbara song? Barbara Streisand? Yeah, it's Hocus Yodeling Pocus. on a flute yodolo, solo. Yodolo, 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 yodolo. I just love that Barbara Miller's character in Hocus that Pocus, the witch, is named Winifred, because you don't hear that very often. Yep. She had quite a bit bigger nose than oh you did, I noticed. What the hell are you <laughs> doing ghost. over there? <laughs> the Halloween ghost just beat on the table. Ladies and gentlemen, Vince Wilson, our very special guest. How are you, Vince? Okay, kids. Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing extremely well. There apparently are ghosts banging on the table here. I, I heard them anyway. Weird and unusual facts about the death of Edgar Allan Poe and other creepy legends. 
and lore of All Hallows' Eve, also known as Halloween, and stop pronouncing it Halloween. It's Halloween, do it <laughs> Halloween. Right, or get out. Right, Vince? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I agree. Well, my Baltimore accent uh, forces me to say Halloween after anyway, so, uh, but the, but yeah, the, well, I, I guess there's a sort of argument for Halloween because it is All Hallows' Eve, the Eve of All Saints Day. Hallowed. Hallowed ground, yeah, not but... hallowed ground. It's hallowed ground. Let's get it right. <laughs> Let's get rid of this guy. Right. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Vince, i got to tell All you right, one thing. I saw your name I up. Them, I'll get them signing off then. Have nah. a good Halloween. You're fine. Oh, no. don't, worry about it. don't worry about it. Um, right. I saw your name but and I went, you... that's a great name for like a, a neighborhood thug. I think it would be great. But, hey, man, you pissed me <laughs> off. I'm going to tell Vince Wilson. <laughs> He sounds like a tough guy name, don't you think? Vince is a tough guy yeah, I, name. Well, I, I have a bad reputation for being a nice guy. so. Mm. Oh, well, I'm sure that's true. I'm sure it's absolutely true. So I, I've asked many people this question, and nobody knows why, but why did the Beatles at the end of the song say Edgar Allan Duck? Why did they say that? I have, no, I have never, I have no idea. <laughs> Why would they do that? But it, one, I can't remember which song it is. I don't think it's Strawberry Fields or it's one of those. But they John smoked, Lennon they goes. They smoked a fair amount of pot. Well, that's true. Yeah, some hallucination. Sure, had something to do with drugs. Edgar yeah. Allan Duck. Weird and unusual facts about the death of Edgar Allan Poe and other creepy legends and lore of all Hallows Eve. Vince, I'm turning it over to you because it's Halloween and I'm excited. I'm very excited I- to hear the story. I'm actually very excited too, and today today I will actually be at the uh, Edgar Allan Poe House in Baltimore this really? afternoon. Really? That's stopping by. That's correct. And I'm at the haunted Lord Baltimore Hotel as I'm speaking to you from one of the hotel rooms here. Uh, what it often represented as one of the top ten most haunted hotels in the United States, uh, if not in the top five list. Uh, so, do you hang out at the but, uh, street where they found Dylan Thomas in the gutter? Do you hang out there too? That was, in, uh, that was in Baltimore, wasn't it? <laughs> I think that was, yep. Yeah, well, it, was, well, yeah. it, it actually helped us actually segue into one of the first myths about Edgar Allan Poe. Perfect. Is that Poe, yeah, Poe was not found in the gutter. No. All right? No, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's a very popular myth for some reason. It I, is. Yeah. So, so did he have a troubled life? Yes. Was he was occasionally... Morose and dark, of course, but he was also said to be the life of the party. People often invited him mm. to uh, do recitals of his poetry and stories at uh, popular parties. Uh, politicians, well-to-do people, the wealthy would often invite him over to have dinner and do some poetry readings. Um, the, uh, we're going to find out during the course of the afternoon uh, that the uh, a lot of the things you're thinking of about Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, I didn't mean that for Derrime either, but uh, a lot of things you need to know are not true, and were actually uh, started by one of his his uh, literary enemies. In yep. fact, his quintessential literary enemy. Um, so Poe was he was not um, found in the gutter. He was not found in the street. He he was disheveled and delirious. He was found in front of Gunner's Hall uh, in Baltimore City, in the area now known as Little Italy at the corner of Exeter and Lombard Street, which is around the 900 block of of uh, Lombard Street in Little Italy now. So if you were to go there, stand at that intersection, you're within feet of, or, or very least yards away from where Edgar Allan Poe 
uh, was found in this disheveled, delirious state. He lasted, uh, He was taken to the hospital. He lasted about three days and died on October 7th, 1849, at only 40 years old. Oh, oh man. Yeah, that's right. He was uh, born in 1809, January 19th. Um, what the Stannis asked, yeah, it was very sad. He was only 40 years old when he passed away, and, it's, and he died under mysterious circumstances. Because to this day, his medical records are missing. All right? They, they just disappeared. And we have no idea what truthfully killed Edgar Allan Poe, although there are theories. Um, so Poe, as you know, it's just, it's just hard not to rhyme that O sound. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Poe, as you know, can as go. You know, that's right. He, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, um, he, you know, he was uh, he had uh, very long moments of depression. He did drink occasionally, but he was not an alcoholic. It's another myth right. associated right. with Edgar Allan Poe. Um, so, um, <clears throat> and take a look at the time period in history. Okay, this is a time period in history in which you woke up in the morning, had beer for breakfast. That was not unusual. Um, I understand some people do do that, but it's considered unusual today. <laughs> yeah. The fact thing is, you had beer for breakfast, you had, you know, you went off the lunch, your lunch break, and you might have had more beer or brandy or scotch or something like that. And then for dinner, you had brandy or, or wine for dinner. All right, so you drink all day long, basically. I mean, with intermittent, <laughs> you know, uh, breaks, you know, maybe some tea and coffee in there somewhere. But for the most part, people were used to drinking back then. Um, and you were a drunk or an alcoholic if you, um, you know, fell down the street drunk you, or you threw up all the time or you couldn't get to work and you're basically homeless. That's when they considered you an alcoholic. If you could not function at all, you were drunk at that period, at that point. Uh, so, but the but up until that point in which you go, when you went over that, what they consider that was the limit for drinking. Sounds like Florida. You went over that, then you, yeah, then you, yeah, that's right. You <laughs> just started laughing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, then you were drunk. But by today's standards, you were uh, Poe was certainly not a hog. In fact, the last two years of his life. He was a member of the temperance movement, the precursor to what later become Prohibition. Yeah, I did not know that. I absolutely did not know that. He, um, why do you think it is that, that so many great you know, writers like Dylan Thomas and Edgar Allan Poe, and there's a, actually a long list, came to Baltimore? Um, well, it was, a, it was a major port in the yeah, communication area. So, the, yeah, so the port of Baltimore... Uh, you had uh, sources coming all around the country. There was a lot of uh, uh, political movements here. Um, there was a military presence here with Annapolis very close by. Um, it was a, a major trade area. So there's a lot of ideas. Uh, it, of course, there was Johns Hopkins. There was the University of Maryland. There was, uh, you know, the, uh, these. You know, there was a major. It was a major area for um, technology, science, and. Uh, and stories in a lot of history, of course, the War of 1812, very prominent here in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, the, uh, um, the Star Spangled Banner was written here, for example, you know, uh, by Francis Scott Key. The Battle of Fort McHenry took place here. There was had a certainly it was in during the Civil War, which happened after Poe's death, of course. Um, the, it was the only time in the history that cannons were actually aimed at an American city. Uh, so, 
uh, it's a, a little tidbit of uh, you know military history there for you. But the um, it was a uh, major port of trade and information knowledge, and I think that's what attracted people here. Well, yeah, and it, it had was, a, it had an ambiance to it. It was the capital of the U.S. for a while. For a while, yeah. Mm-hmm. It yep. was indeed, no doubt about that. I um, I just realized something that my great grandmother was born two years after Edgar Allan Poe died. She was born in 1851. Wow, isn't that amazing? You know how scary that is, Vince, to realize that your great grandmother was nine years old when Abraham Lincoln was elected president. Wow, <laughs> that's a little scary, isn't it? Looking back a bit. Um, yeah, I mean Baltimore is a very interesting town. Obviously, there's just they just lost. Uh, Mr. Cummings, and um, there was a big battle there between our president and, and him, and talking about Baltimore. Baltimore has had its ups and downs. There's no doubt about that. Oh yes, you know it's, it's recently been in the the news, unfortunately, because of comments made by uh, President Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the um, but it's yeah, so it's it, unfortunate because I, it is my hometown. I was born and raised in Baltimore City. And I love this town. I'm an Orioles fan um, uh, to some degree. <laughs> not, not in the sports necessarily, but I, I support the Orioles and the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens, of course, named after at ground pose, the Raven. Okay, well, so, uh, since you're a Baltimore Ravens fan, I'll just you, you just say thank you for giving you Matt Burke to win the Super Bowl from Minnesota. <laughs> well, the, uh, I, I don't, I don't. I'm a fan only because I'm from Baltimore. Not, I don't really keep up with the uh, the Ravens. To be perfectly honest with you, I know some people are probably booing me right now as you listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure yeah. they are. But but, uh, but yeah, I, I support them as a football team, but I'm not in football enough to actually know what's going on with them right now. Uh, so another myth associated with Edgar. Speaking of sports, uh, Edgar Allan Poe was uh, pretty good at rugby, and he really? uh, and, yes, and also. Not to uh, do it, uh, despite what you may have heard. Unlike many athletes today, Edgar Allan Poe never did drugs. Huh. No, no uh, <laughs> physical enhancement. He didn't have the big lats and everything. No, that's right. You can't really see Edgar Allan Poe <laughs> weightlifting. I really, I just can't picture that. I don't know that they had hypodermic needles in eighteen. <laughs> yeah, they might not have. That's true. Yeah, probably true. Or, or opium. That was a very Oh, yeah. uh, common myth yep. associated with Edgar Allan Poe. Now, I have an excerpt from a Dr. Carter Woodbury, a, a friend of his. He says, uh, in his own opinion, I incline to the view that Poe began to use of the use of drugs in Baltimore. That his periods of absence from liquor were periods of less modern indulgence in opium. However, uh, as he never met Poe, it offers no evidence to support this position. Woodbury's conjecture may may best be ignored. All of his friends have said he's never indulged in opium or any or any opiates at all. You know, which were readily available off the shelf at that time period. I mean, you could just go into yeah, a drugstore right. and literally buy opium. They knew all how right? to live. So, yeah, and <laughs> so so uh, Poe. Every every friend Poe's ever had has said that Poe has never indulged in drugs. So this is one of those rumors that got spread by someone who didn't even know Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, but why does why do we believe these things? Why do we believe um, all this stuff about Edgar Allan Poe? Well, it involves this literary enemy, uh, an individual 
uh, he would go down in history as one of America's worst jerks. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's a long list. Yeah, I thought it was yes. me. All right. Well, check this out. First of all, he ha- uh, he is the Lex Luthor to Edgar Allan Poe's <laughs> Superman. He's a Moriarty to a Sherlock Holmes, basically. Although they never did battle directly, this you know. Um, necessarily, uh, Grizz, this guy, I won't say his name, okay? So this guy, he has a villain name. In fact, I, I'd imagine if you were walked up to him and someone introduced you as this person, you would immediately say, I don't trust this guy, just from his name. I like his it. His name, yep, his name is Rufus Griswold. Yeah, Rufus Griswold. I just called him yep. R.G. <laughs> yep, RG was a, uh, a, a notorious a hole. Be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. You got to be known for something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you notorious a hole. I love that, Vince. I love it. So he was he was known to accept bribes to for, for he, he was mostly known for he did poetry and stories himself, but he's obviously largely forgotten and is known as a villain throughout history. Um, but he was known for accepting bribes to have uh, your poems or, you know, stories in his collected works volumes he would print out every year. So he'd print out a, a collection of works from different authors and writers and poets, and he would uh, reprint them in his collected works. Um, so, and he would accept bribes. So if you had, like, something like roses or red, violets or blue, uh, you know, he would put that in his collected works if you gave him enough money. It's like, you know, slip him a five under the table, and mm-hmm. you're, next thing you know, your poetry is in his book. All right? So Griswold did think that Edgar Allan Poe had written a um, review of one of his stories. But because the review was anonymous, there was really no proof of that. We still don't know this to this day if it was actually Edgar Allan Poe. It might have been. Might even have been probable that it was him, but we don't know for sure. But Griswold thought he knew for sure and just hated him from that point on. He would, um, you know, spread rumors about Poe and that sort of thing. And Poe was, for as far as we know, totally oblivious to this. This wasn't like a Westinghouse uh, Edison sort of thing, you right, know. This was, right. he, yeah, um, yeah. He was oblivious to it. He did not understand that. Um, People were. This guy was mocking him, and he thought it was a joke, basically. And he took, he treated it as such. But it gets worse. All right. So Poe dies on October 9th, eighteen forty-nine, and uh, I'm sorry, October seventh, eighteen forty-nine. On October 9th, eighteen forty-nine, an obituary appeared in the New York Tribune. Okay, and I'm going to read you an excerpt or two from this. All right. Okay, now he, he wrote this as under an assumed name. Uh, he didn't use his real name, but everyone knew who it was. It was later revealed, certainly, that it definitely 100% was Rufus Griswold. Here's how it begins. Check this out. Edgar Allan Poe is dead. He died in Baltimore the day before yesterday. This announcement will startle many, but few will be grieved by it. Wow. That's cold. Well, Opinion pieces even yep. in an obit. <laughs> That's right. I have a question for you, Vince. Uh, so Rufus Griswold, he didn't make very much money, did he? Oh, he did. He did, actually. Oh, did he? He, was, he, was, he was certainly wealthier than Poe was. Poe had suffered through poverty. Yeah, uh, I remember where that. To get to, 
Yeah, we're going to get to that in a minute because oh, okay. he was actually on his way to success uh, because he had gone on a, uh, before his death, he had gone on a um, fundraising tour to raise money for a magazine called The Stylist. Uh, but the, he would he raised a little over two thousand dollars, which would have been a quarter of a million today, something along those lines, like right. a huge amount of money. Uh, and uh, he 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 was he was honestly a success with that kind of money. He would have been able to open his dream job of having a a literary magazine, and he probably would have done very well with that. But he disappeared. The money was never seen again, Ooh. which leads to some, with some of the theories in regards to what happened to him. But Griswold, finishing up with that, that story with him and why people believe he's missed today, um, you know, the, the, most of this comes from Griswold tricking Edgar Allan Poe's aunt, into, who, who inherited all of his collected works, tricked his aunt into signing over to Griswold oh. the rights to his books, his stories, oh. his poems, everything. And then... After he got the rights to it, he published collections of the works and put in front of every single book his own biography that he wrote that slandered Poe in it, bringing up the rumors of opium addiction, womanizing, and alcoholism, and that he was a terrible, terrorizing cad, basically. Sounds like something my ex-wife would have done. <laughs> oh, which one? <laughs> hey, it's great to be here. This guy would have loved Twitter. <laughs> yeah, he would have loved Twitter, absolutely. Oh, yeah. He, he would have, Facebook, Twitter, he would have been all over it. Oh. <laughs> he would have had his own Facebook page, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so Griswold was, like I said, the best way to describe him is a major a-hole. There's yes. just no major other a-hole. Of, like it. Major a-hole, that's right. This is his last name. <laughs> this is his real last name. Uh, Gris, yeah, Griswold was awful. He just, he was... Every every in every way is the villain, and his name definitely deserves to be dragged through the mud for it. So yeah, everyone makes mistakes. If it was <laughs> if it wasn't about the money, then it had to be about the 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 name. Was that what he was upset? Jealousy. So I know that he thinks that that Edgar Allan Poe, you know, slandered him or something. But what was he really meant? Because most often when you got somebody attacked something like that, it's all about the money or the success someone That's has jealousy. had. It's just jealousy. Isn't I, it? I think it, it, it's jealousy, envy. Poe had real talent. Yep. Griswold was mostly known for just publishing collections of books. You know, he he took other people's works, put them together into a collection, and published them as, as that. You know, uh, although he didn't write his own stuff, no one knows who he is today. And no. uh, I couldn't think. I've never even bothered to look up his stuff because that would give him some degree of respect. I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. The uh, Poe was a natural talent. He is the father of the modern detective story, which he doesn't get enough credit. Everyone thinks it's Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and Doyle definitely mm-hmm. acknowledges Poe as the real father of modern detective stories, with stories like Murders of the Rue Morgue, for example, um, in which he created a the the, uh, the Paris detective in there. Um, yeah, so you know, Poe was definitely a literary giant. You know the. Um, he was. He, he actually invented the term short stories. Oh, he uh, did. Or not. Yes. Yeah, um, I didn't know so, that. yeah. So it was. Just, yeah. So uh, I mean, it, the idea was around. Just no one ever called it anything. <laughs> um, but yeah. So Poe Poe was a literary giant even at the time, although he was always suffering in poverty because uh, another thing that a lot of people don't know, he's one of the first, if if not the first, 
professional writer. <laughs> he, there was no, there was not, that was not a concept before. Sure, there were people who wrote for a living, and that's all they did, but that didn't, they didn't count because they were from wealthy families. I mean, they, oh, they, yeah. didn't, they owned yeah. land. They inherited land, which paid for everything, so they didn't have to, uh, you know, do anything but sit around and write and paint all day long. Uh, but Poe struggled because he was a professional writer. He wrote for a living, and that is where the struggle came from. That's why he was in poverty all the time, because he didn't do anything else, and there was no concept of what he was trying to accomplish or do. So the, the stylist would have been his way of success. And, that, of course, that brings us to the long-awaited how did Edgar Allan Poe die? Um, so he he was on he went on a train trip around the Northeast United States uh, in the Mid Atlantic, uh, going around to friends and colleagues that sort of thing, raising money uh, loans uh, to start the Stylus Magazine, which he had all this faith in. And that would have, realistically, that probably would have been his uh, that would have been a change in his life. At forty years old, he was changing his life around, and he was on his way to real success and. Uh, and at least a comfortable living, if not wealth itself. Uh, so, and then when he gets back, the, uh, no one knows what happened. He got up the train station, and uh, even that's not technically reported. But we assume he got off the train station, disappeared at some point, and it appears at Gunner's Hall. Uh, he, he's disheveled. He's helped into the hall. Uh, he, he, but he got in there as. You know, with a little bit of assistance, and he wasn't on the sidewalk or in the street, but he was just disheveled, delirious. Someone recognized him. They called for help. Um, a uh, Dr. Snawgrass came in. I love these names back then. Dr. Snawgrass <laughs> came and helped him out. Um, they brought him to Church Home Hospital, where he died three days later. Uh, he, uh, like I said, no one knows exactly what happened to him, but there are theories. There's very, there's Dozens of theories, actually, but four stand out above all else. All right, um, one very popular theory, and I think that's mostly to do with his wife dying from tuberculosis, is that he died from TB. But uh, although TB can be in your system for years, uh, it is not a quick death. All right, usually anyway, it's a uh, you know you can you can get it and then take weeks to months to die from it. Poe was gone; he seemed healthy enough when he left came back and died, you know, basically. So it's probably not tuberculosis. I think that mostly started from the fact that his wife died, and it's kind of a romantic idea that mm -hmm. he died for the same thing as his wife, okay? Uh, she was only 26 years old when she passed away. Oh, God. Um, yeah. So the um, <clears throat> the there is another theory, of course, is that he was murdered, you know. <laughs> murdered. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yes, the uh, so he was uh, sharing a home with uh, Mrs. Clem uh, in New York, and the the uh, where in the same little cottage where Virginia, his wife, had died in 1847. And uh, on June 29th, 1849, Poe began to to raise money and had to you know for for the magazine, the stylus. All right. He first went to Philadelphia, then to Richmond, then Norfolk. While in Richmond, he reunited with his, a, a childhood sweetheart, Amara Royster Shelton. Uh, and he courted her, and he, and he intended to marry at some point. This is another motivation for him to try to raise his money. Uh, although her parents not excited about it, because Poe was 
always known to be poor. Uh, but he was, but he was raising money and trying to make better for himself. Um, according to their account, he was quite sober and cheerful to last, remarking as he took leave of them that he would soon be in Richmond again. This is uh, quoted from the last days of Edgar Allan Poe, um, a book written uh, a while back. All right, taking a boat from Richmond on September 27th, Poe arrived in Baltimore on September 28, 1849. Over the next few days, details about Poe's actions and whereabouts are uncertain. Even his Baltimore cousin, Nelson, Nielsen Poe, wrote to Maria Clem on October 11th, where he spent the time he was here, or under what circumstances I have been unable to ascertain. And by the way, if you want more information like what I'm quoting to you right now, go to eapoe.org. That's a website that's run by... Jeff Savoy, a Poe scholar here in Baltimore City, and it's a, one of the greatest resources for Poe information. It can give you all sorts of references of books you should read, and he quotes heavily on here. He's been maintaining it for years. All right? Uh, Poe left Rich. Uh, was, he had over $2,000 with him. Um, and then on October 30, 1849, when Joseph Walker sent the following note to Dr. Snodgrass, this was Walker is who found him. Dear sir, there is a gentleman rather the worse for wear, as Ryan's Fourth Ward polls, who goes under the compliment of Edgar A. Poe, and who appears in great distress, and he says he is acquainted with you, and I assure you he is in need of immediate assistance. Yours in haste, Joseph W. Walker. Ryan's Fourth Ward polls, also known as Gunner's Hall, was a tavern. Such places were often used election for places at the time. Wouldn't that be great today if you just go to the election poll and have a beer? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Go squeal up a storm. Now we're talking. Yeah, that's right. There appears to be no foundation for tradition that Poe was found in a gutter. Uh, Though it was the least possible that Walker came across Poe and helped him in the street to help him inside. Um, yeah, or into a nearby public house to wait for the arrival of his friend. Now, I want to point out that Dr. Stogrant is another source of rumors and myths about Poe's alcoholism. Stogrant was a a major, uh, you know, supporter of the temperance movement, which Poe was also a member of at the time. So Stockgrass had spread rumors after Poe's death that Poe was drunk when he was found. This is not true. Stockgrass did that because he was thinking, well, if the great author and writer, the poet Edgar Allan Poe, had been killed by alcoholism, then this would motivate people to not be drunk because, or drink alcohol because they could kill such a great yeah. man. You know, so he had selfish motivations in order to propagate Poe once again as a drunk. So it wasn't just Snodgrass doing this, although there's argument to say, I mean, it wasn't just Griswold. It was Snodgrass, too. There's argument to say that Snodgrass had a noble motivation, but it's still, you're slandering this guy's name. He called you a friend. So that kind of, that kind of, uh, you know, is a bad thing to do. So uh, uh, Poe was described as having a stained, faded, old, Bombazine coat, uh, pantaloons of a similar character, a pair of worn-out shoes run down to the heels, and an old straw hat, which, which totally goes against everything that Pope would have ever found himself dead or alive in, no pun intended, or, 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 uh, or sarcasm intended. A rusty, almost brimless, tattered, ribbonless palm leaf hat is how Stalgrass described his clothing consisted of a sack coat of thin and sleazy black apalka ripped more or less at, or at several of its seams and faded and soiled in pants of a steel mixed 
pattern of tassinate, tamp-worn, and badly fitting. If it could fit, it could be said to be fit at all. He wore neither a vest nor a neckcloth, while the bosom of his shirt was both crumpled and badly soiled. What a weekend! Yeah, what a weekend! (laughs) Best of the Tom Bernard podcast. Edgar Allan Poe, y'all. Listen to me flow, y'all. Yo, it's Edgar Allan Poe with the flow so poetic. Melancholy wordsmith style so phonetic. That was Vince Wilson on The Best Of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the... All the way back to episode 426 with Dave Mordahl. Will Anderson and Don Shelby. Next on the best up. Stressed on stressed. Words like coffee crazy giants who prepared to be impressed. But Paul, what's an anapest? Words like tambourine, cavalier, and Mary. What about the uh, couple that burned down their apartment building cooking a squirrel with a blowtorch? What? <laughs> Where was this? Um, let me find out. Okay. Cooking a squirrel with a blowtorch. Now blow you torch. know you're a redneck when. <laughs> yeah, that, yes. should, that shouldn't be hard to find on That's Google. True. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> yeah, here it is. <laughs> squirrel Gotta cooking dig deep couple. For that one. Squirrel cooking In couple. Michigan. Oh, well. Oh, mortal. I would have thought more alabama <laughs> You would have thought more Alabama. Uh, yeah, it all started Alabama. when Kek Chan Thalavong used a blowtorch to burn off the squirrel's fur. Oh, I mean, that would be efficient. And then he left it unattended and on and <laughs> then Sounds burned like down his apartment. As you Math. do with a blowtorch. Good. Is Boy. Dave on? Oh. Yep. Mr. Mordahl. What's happening? Mordahl. I, 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 I'm so glad you answered your phone, which is – I was just talking uh, – this is a two-part deal because I already talked about the fact that uh, you don't ever remember any um, restaurant, gas station, sandwich shop ever having to put up bulletproof glass like in St. Louis and North Minneapolis. <laughs> I found that rather interesting. I, I, because uh, in Elk River we never had that as when I was a kid. Never. No, oh, I know in Elk River. Now here's the real reason I called you because you said something today on the KQ Morning Show that I thought was was fascinating, and we never got around to it because, as you know, we go down, We have many tributaries on the KQ Morning Show. Right, There's right, no, right. no one main river. But you said something about the Amish. With I found it fascinating. It, it is. Everybody thinks they're quaint, but if you really think about it, they are simply white separatists. It's true. It's true. They really are. There's no black Amish, and I, I, if you introduced, I don't think they'd appreciate it. <laughs> but everybody say, "Oh, they're so cute. They make furniture and all this." Well, they're white separatists, as far as I'm concerned. Way to blow their cover, Dave. I know, but it's still, it's like if you and I, if so, if I did it, I, I'm a, I'm a hermit white separatist, but they're. You know, it's quaint. <laughs> you know, it's quaint. Well, we'll make some damn furniture, Mike. Just, yeah. All you have to do is just make some furniture. I guess I could do that. Get a buggy. And, uh, <laughs> He's got a buggy. What, what's oh. funny is I've worked with people that have worked with them or lived by them, and they're not against, they're only against technology if they have to buy it. Mm. <laughs> they, they have, honestly, they have no problem borrowing a neighbor's tractor or a phone. They have no trouble with that whatsoever. That's so you, true. It's the uh, law is against owning it, not using so it. So if I, I gave an Amish person a computer, 
they couldn't use it because it would be theirs. But if you told Borrowed them to it. use yours for, like, if yeah. you were hiring them or something, they could. Yeah, you can walk ah. downtown and use a phone if you want to. Huh. Or go to the yeah, neighbors. Yeah, they can certainly come over and use your phone. Yeah. Hmm. I just find the but whole thing fascinating. They because, drink like uh, fish. I just want to say that as oh, a, really? a blanket statement. Yeah, I grew up in Indiana, and we were surrounded by Amish communities. And these people like to drink. I well, what yeah. else is there to do? Yeah. I mean, you're done making furniture. It's 6 o'clock, and it's dark. I mean, you got another right. few hours in the day, but you can't do anything because you don't have lights. Pull that cork. <laughs> so basically what you were saying earlier today was that sheet that they poke a hole in so the women can have other gene pools right. yeah they, they, orthodox, uh, they can have other gene pools no 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 the Amish I thought it was Jewish so, oh, so orthodox Jews pretty. do that put a hole in the sheet yeah, too right. why do they do that they have to be separated can't, bodies can't touch acidics yeah. well yeah. But well, oh, that's there's women clearly are dirty some touching that, going right? on. Jesus Christ. What is I wrong? do it for fun, but there's no real reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. You know, you're bored in the bedroom after 30 years. Come on, bring in the sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Roll the sheet on in, and everything will be fabulous. <laughs> I, I, you know, at first when you said it this morning that uh, the Amish really are just white separatists, I thought, you know, he's absolutely right about that. Yeah. I just don't think yeah, there's but- any question. The thing I don't, and I have never really, uh, you know, really delved into it or read up on the, the Amish, is I don't really know what they believe and why they're against technology. Yeah, why are they again? Well, it's, it's all about the ownership thing. Yeah, it's about um, oh, it is. Okay. if you don't own anything that no one else has, uh, then there's no envy or anything like that. Coveting. Right. That's why, yeah, that's why you're not supposed to have buttons because they're too flashy. You're supposed to have hooks and eyes. Basically, and everyone has, is on the exact same level in terms of possessions. But they have, like, tricked out buggies and shit like that. They do. Well, those belong to the, you know, the community, not one right, specific person. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, it's a co-op deal. Yeah, so that's all, well, that's I would, all it is. I would guess so. It's pretty much shared. So is it the same theory that... See, I've, I've been fascinated that the Muslim world will use the shit out of a satellite dish and a big screen TV, but they hate Western technology and culture. Well, that's just hypocrisy. Yeah, I, I don't understand. It's, it's like you bite the hand that feeds you. It's like, yeah. why are you doing this? Well, it's like people who are against uh, Western medicine. It's like, why do you think you're... Uh, 40 years old and you're not dead. Well, good chance Western medicine did it. See, I have that problem with medicinal pot. They, well, oh, it's a cure for everything. Really? How come my grandparents didn't use it then? Because they used every salmon ointment that any salesman would buy in the driveway. And it was legal then. Yeah, it wasn't always and it illegal. Was, and it was, you're right, Tom. And it was legal then. It was. Why, did, why did marijuana become illegal? There's a lot of theories. Well, a lot of theories. Yeah. It, it, put my, it put my family out of business because they were uh, the the Shelby's of Missouri no. were uh, among the uh, top uh, hemp growers <laughs> because they were. Of rope, course. No, they were. were listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> they were rope makers. Oh, yeah. Back then, and hemp, all was like, of hemp was yeah. a cash product yeah. just for the making of rope. That makes fine rope. And the they best. passed the laws that said you can't not you cannot grow hemp commercially. Why? And then right. they went out of business. <clears throat> well, but hemp is now legal in a lot of places because yeah, you can buy hemp, hemp is just like. 
it's related to marijuana, but the THC content is so low that like it's just oh, really? really not yeah, I mean, possible to get hemp high is off basically it. ditch weed. Nobody yeah. would smoke that because exactly, you have to smoke yeah. so much of it. Now the stuff well, is so powerful. Is before the medicinal marijuana, you used to have teenagers saying things like that. You know, we should just we should legalize hemp, and you'd think, <laughs> wow, it's great that. Today's youth are interested in our rope industry. <laughs> no, there's a lot of people who think hemp and weed are the same thing. what you're thing. trying to do for crying out loud. Yeah. Don't give me that. Well, it's true. Well, it, it makes great material. Yeah, because we're having such trouble with cotton. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not working. Those nylon ropes aren't working. None of it's working. Yeah, they've got a tensile strength of only about 86 tons. I want something that'll snap when my brother's over the river. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want the Amish. I used to think that the Amish went by the Bible until I realized, well, you know, Jesus didn't have a stovepipe hat. Either, so I, I'm not really sure where they're. But if it's about possessions, that makes sense to me. I like Jesus in a stovepipe hat, though. That's a good look. Yeah, <laughs> if they had had him, he would have oh, worn it. Actually, I just, you know, it's interesting, the stovepipe hat came up again today because I was telling a story yesterday um, to Doug Sprinthal that I've been on one, because he just came back from a cruise, and I've been on one cruise in my whole life, and I was on it for about a half an hour, went into the casino, and there was a guy in there wearing a stovepipe hat at the table, was making so much noise, half an hour after I was on the boat, I said, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to kill you. I mean, a half Man an hour overboard. into the cruise. <laughs> Weren't you oh. on the little red boat with us? Yeah, that that's the, the only cruise. cruise I've ever been on. Oh, that's the one you're talking about? Oh, yes. What a hideous experience. Oh, God. Yes. Mortal, has, has uh, Tom ever threatened to stab you with a steak knife in the neck? Not in the neck. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the neck. You can tell how much he likes you when he starts to get specific <laughs> the solar plexus you know yep. the islands of langerhans i've never brought this up before but i want to bring it up now because we only have a couple of minutes left here and dave was nice enough to answer his phone which he never does but i never get a chance and you might notice this that you probably have noticed it dave but whenever dave says something i don't even get a chance to laugh at it because somebody's already changed the subject it's unbelievable. I know. You say something, and I, I go to go, I go, huh. And then we've moved on to yes. something else. What the hell are you talking something about? Something else. No, it's true. Uh, Andy, every time Dave says something funny on the show, oh. somebody changes the subject before I even oh, get on a chance the show. to show. Oh, okay. No, yeah. not today. Me too. Well, you know, maybe, maybe other people don't find Dave Mordahl funny. Oh! oh. Ouch! <laughs> Why would you say that, Andy? Uh, you know, I will tell you this, though. Dave Mordahl still, I will, I'm here to tell you it's the funniest thing I've ever heard at an airport, referring to Catherine oh, Brandt. Oh, God, that was hilarious. I giggled about that You know that one, don't you? Then. You know that one, Mike? Mm-hmm. You yep. said it, but I don't remember what Catherine it was. had a sty oh, two yeah. years ago. When we were going to Vegas and we were waiting to board. Traveling with Tom is not without its stressors. And it was time to board. And Dave, what did you say? Oh, I said, uh, (laughs) uh, we will not board anyone with a (laughs) stock. And he did it like this. She got up and left. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll now board anyone with a sty. Anyone with a sty may now board. <laughs> yeah, they just gotten done with the children and the handicapped and whatever. And <laughs> it was sty time. Which I realized, no matter what somebody yells, everybody thinks you're official. So they just go. Yeah. 
I think it's wonderful. Well, it's nice of you to answer your phone, sir, because I thought you were on the four wheeler. I wouldn't. I would have got the first two calls, but I was on the four wheeler. Well, you were having fun. Yeah, I got some squirrels. I'm going to burn the fur off now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. You bet. You guys have fun. Dave Mordahl, ladies and gentlemen, yes. one of the funniest men alive. Oh How God. hard up for is. food do you have to be to cook a squirrel? That's oh, not good. I eat squirrel. Well, and, I mean, and like, I've eaten squirrels since I was a kid, and you don't have to burn the fur off of them. The, the, uh, the skin comes off so fast yeah. off of a squirrel. So well, they just didn't, didn't know, know what that. they were doing. The guy oh, with the maybe, torch. Happy for you. Maybe it was a special recipe. Meth recipe. Mm. I will, I will <laughs> admit that sometimes I will go out with my... Uh, I have a blow dart gun. You actually put up your mouth. It's like uh, Indonesian sure. blow dart. Sure. I want one. And I... Uh, I terrorize the squirrels in my neighborhood. And you know, if if I'm lucky enough to make a good shot, then it goes into the pot. But you can't. The pot. If you put poison in the squirrel, you can't eat the no, squirrel. No, no, it's not a poison dart. Oh, what is it? The big long dart. It, it just it, pierces it their. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it goes right through their body. I thought you were like out there. No. Poison darts. <laughs> poison darts. <laughs> now, since Don is you a hillbilly, I am kind of a hillbilly. Yeah. Since Don's a hillbilly. It's and, been revealed. So, since Don's a hillbilly, well, I would like to point out. I asked someone else this, but I'm not sure. I don't think it was you. I last night, Tom. I got to tell you this before you go on with that. Yeah, I sat at a karaoke. I called up the karaoke YouTube. Uh, and I sang four different versions of I Am a Man of Constant Sorrow by the Soggy Mountain Boys. Oh <laughs> See, so, there you I go. mean, it's, it's really interesting you bring up Hillbilly today. You are a hillbilly. Yes, I am. It's There's no question song. about it. I'm proud of it. Let me tell you. Uh, have I ever asked you about jug bands? Yes. You haven't asked me about jug, jug bands. Okay, well, my question is why do you need a jug? When you can just go, why can't you can you can, but most people don't have the depth of resonance oh, in your voice, so, so they can't do that. Well, they can't go as deep because a big jug, because you can use you know different size jugs, and uh, then you can actually have a jug band where people are playing different notes. But when you're just playing oh. a tuba, for instance, so you got a big jug I, and it's boom 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 boom, it sounds like a mm. a, a bass. Boom, 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 boom. All right. Well, Asked I just and answered to know. right there. Right Jug there. man. We have one of my favorite people in the world on the, the show, part two of the show, coming up in about seven minutes. Is it me? Will Anderson will join us from Acme. Matter of fact, he just walked in the room. Hey, Will, how are you? Good to see you. Hello. Nice to he see you. He just said you're one of his favorite people. Really? I did not. It just says that That's about a lie. It says that about every. I'll take it though. Don't, I don't care. Don't get too excited. I uh, know. I'm, I'm getting excited. I've never heard that. I don't care. Yeah, He's never said it about any of us. But yeah. No. Um, well, I'm going to write it down. Almost so, strangers. I don't remember how many people were. Were you guys in town when Will was in town last time? I don't think so. No. Because I remember I him being not. here, but I don't remember meeting him. So yeah. My wife, Catherine. My daughter, Alex. Nice to meet you both. My son, nice Andy. Nice to meet you. He's my daughter's soon to be brother in law, Mike, right there. Ah, uh, nice. Sweet. And Hillbilly Don Shelton. How you doing? Nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you, too. Yeah, you're looking good. Where you from? You got a kind of a strange accent. I'm you from, from a, New York City? Yeah. <laughs> from, from Australia. Down under. Where's that? 
Down under what? <laughs> down under down under the world. From all the way down. How, like, how far is it from uh, at island down there? Antarctica. How far is it from Antarctica? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a fair way from that. Is it cold down there? No, it's hot. <laughs> is it really? It's cold here. Well, it's cold here. Yeah. It is cold. Yeah, no, it's the other side of the world. Down under Australia. The toilets go backwards. Is it Dane That's Under? That's not true. That is not true. Do you yeah. say Dane Under? Down Dane, Under. Dane Under. No, Down Under. Can you say... Uh, Can I say? All right. Uh, how about... Uh, very dangerous snake. <laughs> very dangerous very snake. Very dangerous snake. Mate, that is a very dangerous snake. <laughs> it's good. Crikey, that is a very dangerous snake. Back off, mate. Crikey. Crikey, that snake is dry as a dead dingo's donger, mate. You just... Oh, wait we got we to hear what he just said because it's hilarious. Yeah, dry, that, that's my favourite Australian expression. Dry as a dead dingo's donger. <laughs> It's an actual Australian expression. I'm going to start using that all the time. Right. Oh, oh my God. I am dry as a dead dingo's donger. We usually take a five-minute break here, and then we're going to come back, and uh-huh. we'll become the Will Anderson Show, if that's all right with you. All right. I feel like I need a break after this. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> Like the snow we're getting, these clips are definitely going to stick around on another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you, as always, by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Nate Abshire, Vince Wilson, Dave Mordahl, Will Anderson, and featuring Don Shelby. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week.